Throughout ancient cultures around the world, stories contain certain divine weapons forged by the gods themselves. Objects formed and imbued with the primal energies that comprise the very essence of the universe itself. Some of the weapons are wielded by mortals in the form of earthly weapons. Others are reserved for the gods simply because of the sheer destructive potential some of them possess. These celestial armaments take the form of thunderbolts, fireballs, and some are simply massive waves of total annihilation. Some scholars have begun to question the descriptions of these relics as to whether they could possibly represent what we would recognize now as something akin to modern-day atomic weapons. Not only do the supporters of this theory point to accounts translated from ancient texts, but also claim that certain archaeological and geological sites present physical evidence of the deployment of radiation-producing weapons in ancient times. This case file joined the theorists as they dropped the bomb and stride across the wastelands of ancient atomic weapons. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 206 Ancient Atomic Weapons. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. We're about to get go get, nuclear. Let's get wild. Neurasis. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Braden's already talking asses. Like 30 seconds in. Yeah. Trigger warning. <laughs> Well, we, so, hey, we're, we're, we're talking, talking about, about nukes. Hey, well, we're also talking about your great ancestors, right? The, Bren, the Bradonians, they're from fucking Sodom, aren't they? Isn't that where they got oh, the yes. name from? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm named after. Isn't that after. where that comes from? <laughs> Probably, I don't know. Checks don't know. out. into butt stuff. Yeah, right? Well, they fucking got the name from it. There you go. Talking about Sodomites. Exactly. Anyways, this is an interesting, interesting concept. When we first... Saw when I saw it on the list, I was like, oh, okay. I uh, we get into it. I'm like, oh, okay, there's some cool stuff here. There's some cool stuff to talk about. Um, so why don't we get right into it? Where does this where does this theory come from? Where does it begin? The the theory of ancient civilizations possessing atomic weapons, specifically, uh, we're gonna concentrate more on atomic weapons as opposed to like the possibility of them having directed energy weapons, which we'll make a distinction between the two and we'll put it at atomic weapons only. So the theory of <laughs> ancient civilizations possessing the technology in order to produce and use either large scale or small scale in like a tactical sense, nuclear bombs comes from it. There's a very long genesis to this, but probably the most popular, uh, the popular voice among those that, put forth the hypothesis that perhaps these um, these ancient cultures were in possession of the secrets of the atom. It's probably Von Daniken. If you've read Chariots of the Gods, oh, dude. Uh, 1968, OG, then you have heard Von Daniken expound on his theory, or at least you know cite certain ancient texts that there is proof that 
these weapons existed, that entire cities, entire civilizations were destroyed in a matter of seconds and by some type of technology that was not fully understood at the time. Wasn't wasn't Morning of the Magicians before that, though? Magicians of the Gods? No, Morning, Morning of the Magicians. The two French dudes wrote that book. Where right. Von Daniken sourced a bunch of it, right? Yeah. So, uh, the, yeah, Von Daniken's works came out eight years after, almost a decade, almost a decade after those. But yeah, two French guys by the names of, I'm probably going to get these wrong, Louis Paul Vels and Jacques Put a little peanut Berger. butter on it. <laughs> Put a little peanut butter on it. You got it. <laughs> uh, had originally came out and then... They wrote their book, like you mentioned, The Morning of the Magicians, which they took a lot of which, which they took a bunch of theories similar to the ancient astronaut hypothesis as we know it now. Uh, but they built upon the work of another uh, scholar, a Soviet mathematician and ethnologist known as Matest M. Agrest, who mm-hmm. in 1959 argued originally that perhaps the, the story or the biblical tale of Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed was actually uh, evidence for a nuclear bomb uh, being sent down by perhaps extraterrestrial or uh, ultra-terrestrial, whatever you want to call them, uh, spaceships. Now, they they say E.T., they don't actually say like advanced civilizations. They actually say it's like an actual E.T. species that's doing this, the gods. Because if you go with other theories, it was just us. We we became advanced back in this time, and we destroyed ourselves. Right. So going to back look at the ancient text, so it's Genesis 23. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus... He overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities <laughs> and also the vegetation on, in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar, a pillar of salt. salt. So if you don't remember it, you know, I think oh. most people kind of have a yeah. uh, general idea of the <laughs> the history of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, that's where we yeah, get the they, word salt. Remember they? Do, do, they? do we? I have no idea anything about it. Right. Well, it's, they were punished because it was a city full of sodomizers and people who were not friendly to guests, if I remember correctly. Oh, like a Zell. Son. Yeah. So this rain of, of sulfur and, and uh, fire that was rained down by the god or gods is could possibly, according to Matest or Agrist, could have been interpreted as alien spaceships deploying some type of nuclear or destructive device onto doesn't, these cities for some reason. Doesn't sound overly atomic though, right? Like there's no blast wave or anything like that. Like, well, if you, I mean, if you think about it, what, what are the characteristics of an atomic blast? High heat, you bright go. light, shock wave. Listen, I'm almost an expert in in <laughs> everything nuclear because when we went to Vegas. I sat at that, uh, I went to the oh, Atomic Museum that. with these guys, That's and true. I was higher than I've ever been, and I think I sat at that dial where you turn and watch the nuclear blast. I think I sat there for an hour and 45 minutes just watching the nuclear blast it frame by frame. It was definitely in order in amount of time. I remember marking that. 
I thought you were going to bring back the fucking SkyTrain story, but all right. No, uh, I, that, turned, no, I, I turned. I was there, and I turned around, and I just see Zell and Brayden just standing at that video table, just like rewinding it back and forth over it's and over. Fucking uh, mesmerizing. Watching like, it, it, is it mesmerizing. shows all the trees fall down and the blast wave and the light. You're like, holy shit, we made that thing, and it, and we also touched the prototype, the shell of a bomb. We, yeah, tur- we, tur- we turned the arm switch on. Yeah. I've armed a nuclear weapon. Yeah. Um, the one thing that's cool, though, I was doing some reading and then like, so we don't have definitive proof. Well, we don't have definitive proof of Sodom and Gomorrah even fucking existed to begin with. They're gone. But well, we don't yeah, even really know was, where this present day mute. location, this present day location is. But a lot of people think that maybe so- Sodom was is present day uh, Tel al Hamam, which is in fucking Jordan. Yep. So one of the cool things that one of these archaeologists found there was they found pottery shards and uh, the outer surfaces of these pottery shards were melted into are you glass. Saying, are you saying party shards? Pottery shards? Oh, uh, pot- I thought you said party I mean, shards. they possibly could have been party. It could have been party. I mean, those could have been, ke- those were the kegs back in the day. I yeah. don't know. Like- <laughs> but anyway, so they found them with melted glass, bubbled, uh, bubbled mud brick and partially melted building material. Right, which is all indications of like extremely high heat. So they're thinking like somewhere around two thousand degrees Celsius. Yeah, hmm. and like this, this was like this article. I'm not sure if we'd read the same one, but it just came out like on the 22nd of September, and they're saying that, yeah, that this Tal yep. El, how, how do you say it, Tal El Haman, Tal El Haman, just like that. I'm assuming it could yeah, have been Tal El Haman. This the it could have been one of the like. There's like three metropolises there, and they say maybe Sodom and Gomorrah was part of this, and they think that this was actually wiped out. Well, in the article, they don't actually say atomic blast, but what is similar to an atomic blast would be some type of meteor strike, airburst, or the like. Well, and it would, just like you said, Zell, you go back to a rain of burning sulfur and heavy smoke and fire lasting to the next day. Like those, that that doesn't sound like atomic blast. And usually, I mean, we talk like the characteristics of an atomic blast, like normally, um, at least with the atomic weapons that humans are uh, have proficient now. with. Yeah. Uh, you could say like, you know, usually it's like an airburst. It's like you set it off above a, a, a target. There's a certain altitude above the thing. I went back I, when I was in the Navy, I went to Hiroshima Ooh. and we went to like the, the nuke museum there, which was pretty nuts. Like seeing all of, all of the stuff that they had preserved from the actual blast site of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, but learning about how they deploy the actual bomb, like it's got an altimeter in it and then it sets off the nuclear reaction. You set it off above where you want it to do the most damage. Like there's a certain altitude where it's like, if you set it off there, it's the blast wave that does the most damage. So it's like that pressurized blast wave coming down from above onto a city, which does most of the damage. That's interesting. I never thought of it like that because I always thought of it as like in my in my peanut brain of like, <laughs> woo, crater. Right. Yeah, right? that's what we see though. Like that's yeah. whenever you see you know something I played, in a movie I or played a cartoon. like missile strike or whatever, missile defender, <laughs> Miss, missile commander. Is that the one with the tanks? Accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> and then puts little craters. That's a, that's my kind of technology. 
Yeah. So it's like when you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes way more sense that you would burst it in the air because it probably caused way more <laughs> catastrophic damage than hitting the ground first. And as a result of it detonating above the target, you have this downward thrust. So it's like the pressure is pushing down on it's like a giant hammer just like slamming down onto the ground, uh, like smack, like pushing building, like buildings and, and such would just be like crushed and pushed down like a compression is normally what you would see as a result of a, like a, a detonate of a high, one of those altitude nuclear weapons. And so not only that, you have things like the, the distortion of buildings. So there's this kind of, you know, for these, like you have a, you know, a blast wave that pushes out, but there's also evidence of like it pushing in. So once you vaporize all that air, you push out all that air because, you know, essentially you're just pushing everything out. It all has to come back in. Right. right? So you have this other evidence really? of stuff like pulling in to the to fill in the vacuum that was left after the detonation. It's crazy yeah. that this technology in modern times, we developed it. We Like, as Brayden said, like when you think of like the the, the testing, like the bomb testing, at a, was it White Sands testing grounds or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where they they blow it up in the ground the first time, and it makes yeah, like a five hundred foot crater. Test. I'm pretty sure it was Bikini Bottom actually, but no, no that was the hydrogen bomb, I believe, the first yeah, Bikini the, all. the Trinity. Zell, you're talking about the Trinity test. Yeah, so that was the very first bomb. Then, like, wasn't it like almost immediately after, like six days later, is when they're like, "All right, we're just going to take this new devastating tech and we're going to drop it on an enemy city and then another one." It's fucking crazy. This yeah. wipe two cities. Well, they only had two at the time. I don't think they only had. They only. If you go back and like, I mean, the history of the atomic weapons is fascinating. But yeah, it's like we only had two at the time, and we're like, we got to drop them. But if they if they didn't surrender after the the second one, we were like, we didn't really have a third they one. Didn't have another to go. It's, yeah, wasn't ready. Now, it's one of the things too that kind of leads people to this theory of like potentially atomic weapons in ancient times. Is that with what you were talking about, Zell, is these these white sand proven ground tests, the Trinity test, like afterwards, Oppenheimer was, you know, who basically developed it uh, in the Manhattan Project. He was asked if Trinity was, in fact, the first ever detonation of an atomic device. And Oppenheimer replied, and I quote, yes, in modern times. Yeah, so this is, this is the catch-all. This is what most people point to as like evidence for ancient atomic weapons because we're going to get to that next. It's like the ancient ancient Vedic text. Well, yeah, because he like he likes to quote like he quotes the Bhagavad Gita. Um, basically, what he says now I've become death, the destroyer of words or of worlds. Worlds, yeah. 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 You're the destroyer of words. That's <laughs> well. I don't know about that. Oh wow! <laughs> Zing, that, bitch! Woo. Zing! Woo. Shots called fired. Me bitch. <laughs> that was <laughs> fucked up. In a friendly That's way. Called up. you bitch. Zell. You can't <laughs> read it. You're a bitch. Thanks, Zell. <laughs> Thanks, man. Feels good. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's good. I take a but lot, so that, I, I got to give it back once in a while. Nobody get nobody. Nobody gives you anything. I've seen <laughs> what you've done to somebody that called you potato head. <laughs> I fucking, I've been on eggshells for fucking five years doing this podcast. I don't even say nothing to you, but yeah. So it kind of shows like that. He's, he's, you know, pays attention to the fucking ancient past and is super interested in that type of shit. But that same thing, if you read the book that Dan put in the notes, that's not proven that he actually said that. Well, no, it is proven that he did say the, uh, I am, 
I am no, become but dead. the modern the modern times thing is the not modern proven. times bit is is perhaps something that is a, a bit of exaggeration, uh, perhaps lore yeah. uh, exactly. that he said that kind of has become attached to Oppenheimer. But no, the part that you mentioned, yeah, no, he actually did that, and that was meant to be as a, a reflection on his, uh, you know, his hand in in his responsibility uh, for creating the atomic bomb. Uh, and he was aware of, you know, where he sat in that. And he was also kind of a uh, interested and fascinated by Hindu culture as well. So he knew these these things. But speaking of Hindu culture, that's another part and inter- another part that becomes integrated in the uh, the theory for or those who push forward the theory that there are atomic weapons. So a lot of times, especially in um, a lot of those shows dealing with the ancient astronaut theory, you have them citing text from the Mahabharata and other Vedic texts. So the ancient Hindu texts, uh, essentially their Bible about certain events, which actually sound a lot more like a nuclear explosion. Mm. Because in what we just talked about Sodom and Gomorrah, like you said, it doesn't necessarily sound too much like an atomic bomb. It sounds more like something, uh, you know, you have the a rain of sulfur, a rain of fire is not exactly. Yeah, it's really, a, a it's really you're like, you're like, for me, like reading that, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, we're stretching. We're stretching on these descriptions to make this comparison. Well, yeah, the rain of fire almost sounds like you could say that's. It either. sounds like a meteor. Well, meteor, like a fragmented meteor or like a volcanic eruption. And like you're getting hit with like falling, like fiery sulfur debris, you know, maybe from a distant like super volcano or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like that that, that is to me, if we're going like Occam's razor, like the simplest, I'm like that, I like that description fits with other things way better than a, a, a nuke. And so another quote that's actually, uh, that's usually pulled from actually I think chariots of the god uh, that's attributed to the Mahabharata is one that uh, in an event where there's a battle I mean if you're not familiar with the Mahabharata or the the Vedic text it's usually like a bunch of like battles between gods and demigods. Hey, hey, and hey it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, it's pretty rad. It does, like, yeah. it's, it's pretty. <laughs> right? Someone needs to adapt that shit to a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Let's go Amazon. Pretty, you got, like, I'll you watch got monkey that. demigods who can clone themselves and turn giant and grow a hundred hands and all kinds of stuff <laughs> that kind of goes on. Um, one of those is and this quote is pretty much. Um, it was as if the elements had been unleashed. The sun spun round, scorched by the incandescent heat of the weapon. The world reeled in fever. Elephants were set on fire by the heat and ran to and fro in a frenzy to seek protection from the terrible violence. The water boiled. The animals died. The enemy was mown down, and the raging of the blaze made the trees collapse and rose as in a forest fire. Oh, that sounds a little different. Hey, my eyebrow, my eyebrows raised to that one because from watching, there is a specific video when you go to the, if you, if you go to Vegas, honestly, go off the beaten pass a little bit, go to the nuclear testing museum. It's fucking wild. It's awesome. But one of the videos you can slow-mo is of a nuke hitting a forest. And like when I read that line of the raging blaze made the trees collapse in rows as in a forest fire. Like you watch this, just row trees, just like get eviscerated, just boom, gone. But they, like, but did they light on fire though, dude? They melt before the shockwave. They're just like, well, that's the thing. Like, boom. Usually, you'd get like thermal burns. You're not gonna have fucking. You're gonna have flammable material lighting on fire, but you're not. Elephants are gonna fucking light on fire. Why not? 
from atomic bomb, that wouldn't happen. Two you get thermal burns. You wouldn't. You, they're not flammable. They wouldn't light on fire. Sure, you, flesh can burn at high enough heat. Yeah, yeah, thermally, like thermal burns, not lighting on fire, is what I'm saying. Oh, so like instead of lighting on fire, they're just going to turn to ash. Yeah, well, they're going or you'll just have like thermal burns on your skin and shit like that. Like you're not necessarily going to be fucked. Depends on how close you are to the initial blast, obviously. Yeah, but I'm saying, but two thousand shit doesn't normally get lit on fire though. Like unless this it's is, already this is highly I, flammable. I hear your point, Andrew. And to counter your point, what I'm going to say is anyone who was close enough to witness this was probably dead. So the people writing this probably witnessed the aftermath of these burnt ass elephant. They're like these; they were on fire. Look at yeah, these things; maybe. they were on. Scorched. They must have been on fire, right? Because anyone they close describe them running around on fire. You'd have to be like close to actually like they're not describing how they've come on the remains. They've describing them actually like getting impacted and sprinting well, around on fire. Elephants were set on fire by the heat and ran. To, well, see, see, you might've seen burnt elephants after running like, and they're just, what if you had, if these were like elephants, working elephants, what if they had, they were wearing, you know, flammable, they had like a, you know, they had like a, like a saddle or they had yeah. cloth on them, you know, maybe something, maybe something was yeah, maybe. either way. This one, it sounds a little more like an atomic blast. A little yeah. bit more, yeah. Okay. And, you know, you got elephants dying, chariots set ablaze, burnt bodies, you know, possibly by either the, the heat from the blast or bright flash ignition, which is a, is a quality of a nuclear blast. But also this quote, which is uh, that specific quote, is usually pulled out for many reports or people trying to, to push this theory. And... Uh, it's this quote is actually pulled from it's translated into English from an 1889 German translation of the Sanskrit. Uh, but it's never cited where it was taken from, from the totality of 1.8 million words in the epic oh, from the Mahabharata. Like the, the, like the Vedic texts are huge. Like they're like, especially it's like thousands no, of years right. of history. Thousands of pages, thousands of pages. And no, I, if you go back to some of these, some of these shows, and I, I know it sounds really awesome. And it always sounds really cool when they, when they quote this stuff. And it always sounds really cool. Um, but I've never heard them say exactly where it's from, like where they pull that <laughs> quote from. So basically what you're saying is anytime I make a bold claim on this, on this show from now on, I just say, as quoted in the Mahabharata. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I'd I'd still have to I'd have to go through all that. Or you can just <laughs> or you can just it. quote David Childress. Just quote him because he quotes it. David, all. <laughs> yeah, David Childress is a big proponent of the the, the ancient atomic weapon uh, hypothesis. He usually pulls it, and it's usually him that quotes this. I know he said it in uh, at least one or two of his books, and he, he pulls out that quote often. And there are some that would say that he takes a bunch of like where he takes a bunch of excerpts from the Mahabharata and kind of like. Meshes them together. Maybe it does a little puzzle piecing. Um, so maybe <laughs> I don't think he's ever admitted to it. So yeah. Um, so wait, this original translation then is they're quoting this guy, but we can never find where this guy is pulling it from. He might've just put together a bunch of different chapters and pulled something together or it just might be I completely mean, you can, made up. You can actually look up. So the Vedic texts, like the Mahabharata, the Bhakrat Vita, um, those ones are actually available online. You can find fairly accurate or the ones translations that 
um, that were available are online. I think Project Gutenberg, which is a kind of internet uh, text archive project, has some of it. You, Project Gutenberg has a bunch of like, um, what is it like a uh, stuff that's past its copyright? Oh, like what's that? Yeah. Free, freehold free. or whatever. Well, like I said, there's some some pretty bold claims attributed to the Mahabharata without citing where it comes from. Like the one I read in one of the articles you posted, Dan, uh, describes nuclear war, uh, basically a single projectile charged with all the power in the universe, an incandescent column of smoke and flame as bright as 10,000 suns rose in all its splendor. It was an unknown weapon, an iron thunderbolt, a gigantic messenger of death, which reduced to ash an entire race. Boom. The corpses were so burnt as to be unrecognizable. The hair and nails fell out. Pottery broke without any apparent cause, and the birds turned white. Damn, sounds like the fucking beginning of Terminator 2. Yeah, a little Just bit. wild. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> and, do, and do they, I mean, and of course, like, when they put that awesome quote all together, they, they put at the bottom, like, what book it's from and what what lines of text it's from? No, they don't, oh, funny enough. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Neat. But that, that that one sounds like uh, the power of what does it say? Power of all the universe. Ten pen. Ten, yeah, the power in the, the a, a single projectile charged with all the power in the universe, an incandescent column of smoke and flame as bright as ten thousand suns. So that sounds more like a an atomic bomb. And yeah, like that's a column of a column of like a, that's like a mushroom cloud. I mean, yeah, it sounds exactly like a a nuclear weapon if you were to pull that quote from the, and I would be very, I, I would be very uh, impressed if they, they told me exactly where that was. If I could lay my own eyes on it, I'd be like, that is super neat. That is yeah. Super you can't, God, they're you not can't. great at sourcing their material material. Mm, now, sometimes not so great. Not with <laughs> the Mahabharata. No, I mean, it's a lot of words. So, I mean, well, they even pulled stuff from the dead sea scrolls where they didn't source it properly. Um, looking for like trying to find like some of these quotes in the Mahabharata. You can do it. I mean, it's it's possible to do. Some people have done it, um, uh, or at least try to try to source this information. Try to find like supporting evidence for these quotes in the Mahabharata itself. Um, one of them is uh, like you have um, from Book Seven. I think is uh, there is a line in there. There's a couple lines that describe what is similar to what the original quote that we were discussing about the, uh, the elephants set a fire, but it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Kind of goes like from all the points of the compass, cardinal and subsidiary from the firmament and the very earth showers of sharp and fierce arrows fell and issued with the impetuosity of Garuda or the wind struck and burnt by those shafts of Aswataman what? that well all endued with the impetuosity of the thunder. I First seen that off, word yeah, there I and I, was, I seen that word and I was waiting for you to stumble and nope, just straight no, through the it. Little, the little comma mm. under the S it signifies a, like the soft season. It was amazing. Yeah, I, I also thought you were going to stop. I was like, how is that one? <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I should have known better that you probably had practiced it a couple times. Now, what what is that word? What what is, is that a god or something or what? Like shaft of Swataman struck and burnt know, by the shafts exactly of Swataman. Garuda is, but I don't know who um, Swataman is. Probably some sort of demigod of archery or, or some sort, or maybe a sun god. I'm not sure. Yeah. The, now uh, showers of sharp and fierce arrows. 
it kind of sounds like the Sodom and Gomorrah one, like, you know. The meteor. Yeah, like kind of fragments or something. Um, I mean, like, not once have we, like, you, we kind of got it on the, the one before where Braden quoted, but we haven't ever gotten, like, the definitive mushroom cloud description or anything like that yet. No, but the there's the shower of fierce, sharp, uh, sharp, fierce arrows fell. Whenever I read this one, I thought of, um, and, like, I, 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 I watched a TED talk or something about someone that was talking about potentially the um, the asteroid impact that potentially killed off the dinosaurs. And they talked about that it hit so hard that it actually shot debris back out into space yep. from the impact. And then that impact, like that debris would kind of float around Earth before it would, would be brought back down. And as it was brought back down, it would get supercharged and heated, like irradiated, supercharged, and like melted coming back into the atmosphere. And it basically would just rain fire all over Earth. Yeah, but how long would it take for that shit to come back, you think? I don't know. Depends right? on how That's it went. Thing. Yeah. I feel like it'd right? be a delayed, like it would be a while, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, there, there, there'd probably be a constant stream. Yeah, but they would describe the imp the initial impact and then that shit coming back afterwards, wouldn't they? Yeah. And the initial impact's likely to fucking wipe anybody out anyway. Yeah, it's true. Or the impact was oh. so, maybe the impact was somewhere else on the planet and that was the ejecta falling yeah. somewhere else. That's a good point. Or, as we said, some type of like volcanic. But then, yeah, but volcanoes also produce like a pyroclastic flow, like that big ass ash cloud and stuff. Mm -hmm. At this point, here's it, like, your your list, I'm assuming anyways, this is, could just be my fucking ignorance, but like I'm assuming your list of Descript descriptive words you know what I mean it's pretty limited at this point in time so like anything raining down like you're probably going to compare it to you know probably either like falling rocks or arrows or something like that right like maybe they just they don't have very you know or maybe this is just our way of like um, translating it too right yeah yeah it's that's a very that's a that's a possibility um, or or hear me out here if there if this is you know if you wanted something if you were like I don't know if our civilization is going to last. Maybe you would want to write down these stories in things that were very simplistic as to not confuse people, right? Because if there was a word that no one that you were like, you know, like if we started writing a paper about nuclear fission, fusion <laughs> and all this stuff, you'd be like, you know, and then like our society collapses and then a hundred oh, years, someone's reading it. You'd be like, you'd be like, huh? What is this? I don't understand any of this. What are they talking about? So I think you guys have perfectly summed up the mm, the problematic nature of actually reading, you know, written accounts of these things, how they possibly language can get a language barriers uh, can possibly lead to misinterpretation or things like this. But what about physical evidence, which there are some that are what? a little bit or quite compelling. Oh, shit. Just before we get to the physical evidence, quick beer. We'll be right back. We back. We're back. And so, as we mentioned before, that lead to leave you hanging in the first half, we have a little bit of physical evidence to go along with the ancient atomic weapons hypothesis. Since literary accounts are perhaps can be sometimes deemed unreliable, you have places that are usually cited or referred to that are examples of 
perfect evidence of, of something happening, of some type of weapon being deployed on these or some type of event causing strange uh, remains and uh, damage to buildings, things like this. Um, usually one, like the two major sites, archaeological sites that are usually referenced are Mohenjo-Daro and Harappa. Usually Mohenjo-Daro more than any of the other ones. So did they find, now, did they find like a shell of an old bomb or something? No, because that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be super cool if they found a shell of an old, and that would totally upturn everything <laughs> that we know. But usually, um, you have like these two places. Mohenjo-Daro specifically is an archaeological site of one of the largest Indus Valley cities, which uh, apparently thrived uh, from around 2000 BCE, so before Common Era, so 2000. Was that 4,000 4, years, years ago? Yeah. Um, and so this is usually the big one that, that a lot of uh, ancient atomic weapons uh, proponents will point to being that the, the evidence that's cited is that Mohenjo-Daro um, had a series of bodies that were discovered within the city itself. So you had a number of bodies that seemed to be laying Un unceremoniously or unburied in the streets. Some of them seem to be holding hands like they had been perhaps struck down uh, suddenly, like just being on the streets or something like that. Um, uh, these bodies have been discovered between 1922 and 1931 when they were originally excavating the city. And there's a total of 37 bodies that had been found. So hmm. this is usually the one that's kind of pointed to as the place to to be, or these these. I think it's Mohenjo-daro, Harappa, and I think is it Jodhpur or Jodhpur is um, like the modern city around there, right? But they're okay. all they're pretty close, yeah. Yeah, they're all within that little area, and these were the ones that are usually pointed to, saying that you know the bodies that were found here are found in such position that would possibly indicate that they had been struck down. In an instant, or you know, that that something had happened with so quickly that the, the the inhabitants of these cities didn't have time to react, and so they were just kind of, you know, as would probably happen with a nuclear weapon of some type. Hmm. Well, yeah, if you were say you're on the outskirts of like the air blast, and you just got you wouldn't see it coming. It would just hit hit the town and hit the people. You just go flying through the streets, and you just end up dead wherever you landed, pretty much. I guess because it wouldn't, but if it hit, like the bomb hit the city, would it? Would the bodies just be intact, just like lying there, or would they be like vaporized if there was like a direct hit? Well, I mean that's a really good question. As you know, seeing as a lot of the city, which was mainly constructed of pretty much just like mud bricks, is still standing. Right. So then it would have been maybe not in. So what you're saying is mud bricks are. Invincible to nuclear weapons. If you, if you want to build a bunker to withstand, if you want to build a bug out bunker, mud bricks is the way. Mud bricks. So yeah, it's usually pointed to that, um, and, and it's always referenced that some of these skeletons exhibit some type of uh, you know higher background radiation than other uh, than other. Uh, you know, their surroundings. So it's like that they had absorbed some type of a uh, large amount of radiation than their. Uh, you know, then they're surrounding. So it's being like, okay, well, now it, this atomic you know, radiation, yeah. they're they're irradiated. So, well, maybe it's like, um, so like a really rapid 
like radiation poisoning or something? Perhaps. But I also, running through some of this, I'm not quite sure that any of this stuff is kind of sourced because you go into and you dig into some of this and some of these skeletons, like it's it's never really mentioned about any type of unusual radiation. Like, I mean, they have been, like I said, they've been excavating these cities since the 1920s. And it's never really mentioned or noted about, you know, in any of the archaeological journals or any type it, of like historical It's noted text. on every single video if you type in ancient atomic weapons. Of course. <laughs> yes. And of course they put in there exactly where they got that information, right? They 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 note the academic journal where it was no. published. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> I remember reading about this when we did the Viamanas. Yep. Yeah, well. it came up for that yes. for sure. Um we yeah, yeah, we definitely talk about this during the Viamanas and things like this about th- these two cities which are usually pulled into to this this whole thing. I mean, the, the the archaeological locations themselves are extremely fascinating. Archaeologists and paleontologists, like going through all of these, like they said that these cities were extremely important, uh, you know, in the development of the Indus Valley uh, civilizations. They were extremely successful. They had um, uh, they had actually a lot of qualities of life that a lot of other civilizations at the time hadn't even developed yet. They had like things like flush toilets. They had what? Um, like infra- like evidence of infrastructure in the way they built their buildings. Listen, if, they had, if they had toilets that flushed, I'm almost hundred percent sure they had nukes. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. Cause right now we have toilets that flush and, and we, we have, have nukes. nukes. That's sound logic. I mean, I technically, that. I mean, squatty potties also flush. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, those aren't hard to make. Oh. <laughs> hey, so we have squatty potties. <laughs> so we have nukes. We're, so we're talking about atomic weapons, but we, so we're talking about like our first bomb, like the, like that destructive damage and the fallout. But what about like, like a neutron bomb, like a high, high dose lethal radiation bomb with low actual physical force. Like more like dirty a dirty bomb. Yeah. It's more like a, like chemical warfare, like you're just poisoning all these people, but instead of destroying the land. I, I mean, sure. I mean, that could pos- that could be a possibility, but even then, well, even some of that, perhaps like you'd have a lot of nuclear weapons have a thing where it's like, okay, you could possibly say that, oh, you wouldn't see any evidence of really radiation or radioactive substances because those substances that are highly radioactive have very short half-lives. So, you know, they degrade over time into their components and whatever. They lose their electrons. Bloop, so it's why people live in Hiroshima and Nagasaki now. Right. It's, those those places you will safe find. Now. Yeah, they're safe now. 30, 40 years later, um, 50 years later. And but the thing is that in some of these cities, um, you would still find isotopes that are products of these nuclear explosions that have half lives of, you know, tens of thousands if not millions of years they're not necessarily harmful but you would find them in perhaps less concentrations than you would actual radio like the highly radioactive materials but you could possibly detect them in you know in in a certain amount to kind of make it uh to make it a viable a viable theory that perhaps a nuclear weapon or some type of weapon that uh relied on nuclear fission perhaps had been detonated there. Hmm. Okay. So it could, so if depending on the type of bomb, it could be 
safe to live there after a short amount of time, or it could linger there for eons. <laughs> but either way, there would be proof, right? Like there would be some sort of proof, even this like, fucking, le- like even in today's age. Right. One, one of the other evidence. Uh, see, points- we keep saying that. That's a good point, Andrew. Today's age with the bombs that we make now, like maybe these things weren't exactly the same as what we can create now. Dan, I like the space beers you're drinking. Got space <laughs> they would take the same elements though, right? Like you'd still be able, to, it's the same ingredients. You would imagine unless they're using some fucking space bombs right. or some shit. Hey, so similar to how you described earlier when like with their descriptions of things, we are now trying to put descriptions on things based on what we know of our technology now. Like this kind of looks like a nuke, but that doesn't mean that they had an atomic bomb. Maybe they had something similar that we just don't even understand. Like they, 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 they mine, they mine this like plutonium and just like use the hand grenades. Maybe, maybe, but that's what I'm saying is like we're trying to put yeah. our ideas and our understanding of, of like technology now back and fit it into these, these like puzzle pieces of like, well, what happened here? Would it have possibly been our technology we have now? I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying it, maybe it was something similar but just not quite the same. And, and that's why, you know, we're, we're trying to jam a square peg or a triangle peg into a, a round asshole here. Uh, yeah. Tri- a triangle probe <laughs> into a round asshole is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess if you're saying if, if say these were, cause some people say, Oh, it's that the Anunnaki or like the progenitor God race that made us. And then we, for whatever reason, we weren't cutting it anymore and they're the we ones fell out just, of favor. Yeah. We fell out of favor and they're So yeah, they have this advanced tech that we don't even, we have no idea what it was. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the other pieces of evidence that, um, ancient, uh, ancient, <laughs> ancient astronaut, ancient astronaut theorist, 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 ancient astronaut theorist, <laughs> uh, like the point to is that the, um, the, the presence of like things like vitrified sand, um, or vitri- vitrified pieces of earth that they find in some of these locations, it's atomic especially glass. in uh, places. So it's like, yeah, w- which is normally a product that you can find vitrified sand. Like you go out into the Sahara Desert, you go into these like, uh, you know, largely um, sand covered or dirt covered places, and you'll find like vitrified earth, which is a product of lightning strikes. So lightning hits the ground, you know, such a heat that it turns it into a glass-like substance and you can find this. Well, yeah, well, but people it also actually, occurs. That, sorry, Dan, just on that note, if you search it, you can search that and when the lightning hits the sand, it like, if you dig the sand around it, it looks like a giant piece of coral. Yeah, it's oh, super cool. cool. It's, it's actually really, 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 really cool. cool. So it's pretty much um, at, at super high heat, like 2000 degrees plus, like instant, it melts the glass and then it solidifies back into whatever into a form and they yeah and i imagine cool. if you were a wizard or a necromancer of some uh some talent you'd be able to use that for something so like casting yeah. shatter you'd be able to make nice blocks of glass so you kill drag or what fucking uh what do you call walker white walkers dragon's glass man obsidian yeah that's, that's obsidian yeah. i don't know same shit right so yeah this because they they found this when I think when they first realized what it was was from the from the first test blast and they called it trinitite, right? Which is it's atomic glass, high heat glass. It can form from nuclear bombs. It can form from uh, meteoroid or uh, asteroid impacts, any type of rapid now, high heat. Yes, but I was trying to look up because the trinitite 
is often radioactive, whereas like the 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 stuff from lightning isn't. The glass itself is radioactive. Interesting. Yeah, like the the right. Trinitite. So that's what makes it trinitite. That's what distinguishes trinitite from the vit, like the vitrification, Vitri- like just vitrified sand or uh, right, right, fulgurite. Right. I think it's fulgurite. Is yeah, what it's called uh, technically. Um, and so yeah, so if it's radioactive, it's trinitite. If it's not, it's fulgurite or whatever you want to call it. And then uh, so those are the two kind of different kinds. So it, but some of these things, again, they're, they point to these signs of like vitrified sand for the ancient astronaut hypothesis. And it's like, well, it's not radioactive, at least not now. So you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Well, I mean, in my mind, like a lightning strike would cause a certain, it causes like the coral looking glass. But Mm -hmm. if it was a actual, nuclear strike or a bomb like an air burst and the heat all coming down it would be like a sheet of glass i would think right like it would melt like a like a wide like a you know a radius of glass it wouldn't just be like little specks in my mind yeah yeah. i mean you'd have little pieces yeah you'd have little pieces and stuff like that so yeah if you had like a a, i guess a strategically or a technology thing you would just see like an entire sheet of glass i suppose as opposed to like the little bits and pieces that they do find in some of these the sites and then that is cited as evidence for an uh, an ancient atomic weapon being detonated over to some of these cities well yeah that's that's what a lot of people say but it's really just evidence of, of a high heat event in this case if it's not yep. if it's not radioactive now you have other uh, th- there's another one that we can talk about. So there's another location known as Lonar Crater. Now, Lonar Crater seems to be one of those perfect examples of both. It, it has both a literary, like a uh, literary evidence, of, you know, legends that surround it, and also being like an example of like physical evidence. So those two things in uh, together cooperating to kind of create this perhaps what is the some people say is the perfect evidence for, uh, you know, an ancient atomic weapon. So this crater specifically was discovered in 1823. So it has been known about since then. Uh, quick fact that I didn't know. It's actually the third largest saltwater lake in the world. Lonar crater has a lake inside of it. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, it's 500 feet deep. It's got a 600 foot circumference and, Prior to its discovery by a British explorer, natives in the area held the legend that the crater had been created by an actual battle between the avatar of Vishnu oh. and the demon named Lonasura, which is the gods, which is where it gets its name from. So a god battle, what they're saying. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Um, it came down to um, it, it's kind of described as a battle where the, the the demon had been hiding in the loner crater where that, that was kind of it called its home. And in the legend, uh, this avatar of Vishnu, uh, one of the primary god, like the primary god of the Hindu religion, uh, came down, you know, in order to answer the prayers of the villagers who were being, um, uh, who tormented. Were being tormented by this this demon. And it's said that he kicked the rock off of the top of the crater like there had been a rock covering of some type or something like that and he had struck it revealing where the demon was residing and then being able to go inside and you know do battle with the demon and and then slay him slay the demon that's fucking badass Badass. (laughs) 
Um, so, uh, for example, in uh, Nick Redfern, if people are familiar with him, he's a very big paranormal, uh, supernatural author. Uh, in, in his book, Weapon of the Gods, uh, he kind of cites this as perhaps a, a, like an evidence for some type of like bunker buster weapon. Like maybe not necessarily nuclear, could per, could have been like a tactical nuke of some type, where it's like perhaps this this demon or perhaps a a group, um, you know, uh, it's you know according to Nick Redfern, it was that the whole thing sprouts from the Anunnaki, and then it gets yeah. to there, and then there are these uh, these uh, sections, or there are like uh, rebel factions with uh, you know that were residing on Earth on Earth at a at a time, and then. Uh, perhaps they had an underground bunker at this point in Lonar Crater where it has been located and they fired some kind of weapon down into the crater or perhaps even that's where it was, like some type of mountain or some type of geograph- you know, geological formation and then created this crater just like boom. <laughs> a little Kamehameha, basically. Uh, a th- yeah. a three-episode charge a is what we're saying here. Yeah. At least a three-episode yeah, charge. Bump. It's cool because all this shit, like, like even with this, you know, like the the ones that have chosen to like hide on Earth, it kind of reminds you, kind of like you know, getting to the Bible and like fallen angels and shit like that, right? That are like hanging out on Earth. Like these are. It's so cool how this stuff just ties in like to both each other. sides, right? These and are it's the, so yeah, the ancient a- the ancient astronauts, gods, all the gods and all the religious texts. Those are aliens. It makes yeah, sense. I agree. They didn't come from here. They didn't come from here. They came from somewhere else, therefore they're aliens. Now, so this, so this crater though, I'm looking at it. So it's like 500, the 500 meters deep or 500 feet deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like really. So if you're, I guess if you were to tunnel a bomb underneath the ground, it would make a deep crater like that. But if you blew it up on the surface, just like our first atomic bomb we blew up, it was it was a very shallow crater, 500 feet wide, but fairly shallow for the size of bomb. But that's. That's why they're saying that maybe this is some type of bunker buster because from my knowledge of bunker busts, this whatever would impact the ground would go deep and explode from underneath. Well, yeah, because there was already, like, they were in a bunker, right? They were yeah. already underground is what I understand. So it would have to yeah. drill deep, deep first before exploding. Yeah. All right, so you drop yeah, the well, bomb you even way get down to and them. penetrate the, the top, you know, the top strata or whatever and then detonate underground. Uh, perhaps like creating a, you know, then creating the crater uh, as the, the ground kind of like filled in what was at the bottom or whatever exploded. Right. Yeah, like maybe this was some sort of base. Perhaps, but I mean, what I read and what you look into this this Lonar crater, it is the prototype meteorite impact crater. Like it's a perfect, like it's perfect. Yeah, it's like exactly. That's they first thought it was a, vol- a volcanic crater because it's in like basalt, but then that's been overturned, and they're like, no, this is most likely a meteorite crater. But as we've been saying, like those high heat events could be it could be an atomic bomb. Like it, they kind of they kind of produce the same stuff. The the crater has been thoroughly studied, or from you know from what I understand, it has been thoroughly studied. They've they've done dating on the crater itself and the material, uh, you know, geologic material surrounding the the crater itself. So I think they, um, they're two the two newest measurements that they have. They used what is known as argon argon radiometric dating and found that. Ooh. 
it dates somewhere between 570,000 years and 656,000 years. Dude, right at the time of the Anunnaki when they first came here. Yes. Isn't that what it is? But yeah. like that's but that's what's tough for me though too because I'm not sure on the exact They say Anunnaki, like, now that I think about like, it. Yeah, I can't remember but it's hundreds of thousands like, of years. Sorry, Andrew. When, well, which is when you look at it from like the Occam's razor standpoint, right? Like we have we still to this day, we still have fucking asteroid shower or meteor showers, asteroids hitting the earth and stuff like that, right? Like what if we not have fucking nuclear bombs coming from fucking space randomly, right? Like we don't have that. We have evidence of one happening. And then, well, in our, you know, and as long as, you know, looking back in literature, we don't have any evidence of it happening, right? Like even with these, all these stuff, there is no proper sources for any of these claims whatsoever. Now, the disclaims. There's a fun claim. There was some interesting things about Lonar Crater that I thought was that the fact that the accepted age was 52,000 years old. And then, as you said, Dan, the two newest ones dated at 570,000 years old or between somewhere between 570, 656. Well, some of what I was looking into is that sometimes atomic tests can affect the like the reading of like the carbon dating and stuff. And it can make items like this appear much older, earlier than they are, much earlier than they are, which is why so is it's kind of kind of the, like when you check your taxes and your taxes go down. Is that what? It's kind well, of no. So I'm um, like the the test, the, <laughs> the initial test where they're like they figured it was fifty two thousand years old. They're looking at For your that credit score, but I mean. those tests are affected by potentially atomic blasts, and they have evidence of that at like the Trinity site of like carbon dating uh, and stuff around there of it, it kind of fucking up those tests. It's not accurate readings. So, not accurate readings. So it's like when you're they're doing those new argon argon tests and they're like, well, this is fucking way older than we actually thought. Perhaps that's because the tests that they were running before that we thought were, you know, very accurate were being thrown off by the, you know, some sort of atomic test. Interesting. Right. Yeah, perhaps. And 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 yeah. I would I'd totally be down with that, except like the fact that a lot of the radio, like the radioactive substances is like, they all degrade and all of that stuff that would probably affect that kind of dating would probably have decayed by now. If it were like th- at least a thousand years ago. Well, what but, I'm uh, saying, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe it's maybe, it may, but maybe whatever happened at this crater is older than that, right? Forget that. Forget our concept of time. Like, say, say if the accepted age was fifty-two thousand years ago, right? Maybe there was a civilization at this time. That's a long time ago, right? And maybe that's just the, the whatever atomic test that happened, say fifty-two thousand years ago. Yes, all the isotopes and stuff have degraded. There's nothing left of that except when we do the when we do a carbon. The, the carbon dating, we're like, yeah, it's 52,000 years old when it's really not, right? This crater is 570,000 years old based on other tests. So maybe like whatever happened at that time period has like captured a moment in time. I'm not saying it was an atomic test. I'm just saying maybe some, perhaps something happened and our tests, we just don't know enough about you know, that long ago because it's just so long. We just, we're, it's a guessing game. Yeah, I mean, sure. it, it is. It's, you have one measurement and then you're like, actually it's 10 times older. You're like, okay. Yeah. I'm not I'm not read up enough. I'm not yeah, well that's, versed enough that's in some like pretty geologic dating dating yeah. mechanisms to be like, okay, argon, argon is like the <laughs> definitive what they use right now. I mean, I could 
I could probably get back to you on that as to what it is. Yeah. But right now, off the top of my head, I'm not 100% Dan, sure as to what the what is the en vogue uh, geologic dating. Dan, data. I would like by next case file a 400-page report on all methods of geological dating. It doesn't need to be 400. 20 pages is fine. All right, I'll take a 20 page. I'll take a 20 page. 400 pages. <laughs> I just need a lot of pictures in it. That's what I need. Yeah, yeah. And it's pictures, a lot of pictures, pictures and graphs. I'm not going to fucking We're excited. It. Yeah, like, pictures know, and graphs. That's all I, I need. Know, my appendix is going to be At least 10 25 pages, pages no of stalagmites. And yeah, no 20 pages of stalactites. <laughs> One of the other pieces of evidence for ancient advanced weaponry that I found really interesting that I had never really heard before um, uh, for researching for this topic was that there are these, there is a certain number of what are known as vitrified forts, which we've, we, we, you know, we've already mentioned already that the, you know, vitrification, the, the, uh, the, the process of where like, you know, applying high heat to a solid object, you know, makes it turn into like a glass, like substance, all of that. Yeah. Like burns but, the silicon or whatever. And yeah. Melting these, these rocks and, and, you know, solid substances into a liquid and then it's solidifying and very quickly afterwards. So there are apparently around two dozen ancient fortifications across Scotland Weird. Uh, that exhibit all the typical qualities of ancient forts of that time, it, you know, it, it, you know, it, in, in respects of, you know, defensive placement, you know, where you would put a fort if you were trying to defend a, a certain piece of land An or a alien certain attack. territory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not, no. <laughs> like, yeah. a, Wait, like a land-based, you know, human attack. But what makes these... Uh, what makes these forts especially exceptional is that they all seem to completely lack mortar or lime of cement. So they don't have anything that joins. They don't really seem to have anything that joins the stones together. They don't have the usual binding agents that a fort like usual forts of this time would would, you know, that the architects would use at this time. So in place of mortar. Uh, the blocks appear to have been just placed on top of each other, carefully placed on top of each other, and then fused together as if they had been exposed to some type of intense heat source. Well, this is this is Scotland, right? That we're talking about? Yeah. Yes. Fucking dragons. Simple. <laughs> fucking simple, boys. Fucking yes. dragon fire. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Sure. But, but it does. I'm Bingo, bango, bongo. Case falls closed. So no mortar, just seemingly these rocks had just fused together. Yeah. My dragon's fire. It's interesting. It's some sort of like ancient welding technique almost. That's what I was thinking about of like, you know, potentially they had figured out how to like, because what do welders get? What do it's 6,000 degrees? What do so, welders get to? Depends on the to welder. have affected the stone in such a way, I think it's estimated that temperatures somewhere in the area to a thousand degrees Celsius, so two hundred to uh, two thousand degrees Fahrenheit, would have been required. It's getting pretty hot. Yeah, getting pretty hot. I like I like starting a fire as much as next guy. But is there anything like accessible to people, like that, like people of this age, where you could light it on fire and it would potentially get this hot? Like I'm trying to think if there was, if there's anything logical before I can say that like maybe this thing did get hit by some sort of insane heat wave. I think the original the original theories were that perhaps these, um, that these forts had been 
set on fire like ceremoniously after being captured or um you know the land had been conquered at some point by you know warring tribes or warring factions and that they would set these entire like they would surround these forts with type of like you know a, a bonfire they essentially have a giant bonfire of these forts to to burn them down like symbolically and so you set it around uh and kind of set these things on fire. That was kind of the original theory. And then later theories put forth the idea that perhaps that these stones had been bonded in such a way that the art, the original architects perhaps thought that this would make the walls stronger, that the applying this type of heat mm. would make them stronger. But in reality, it has the opposite effect. I mean, we do know for a fact that William Wallace could shoot lightning bolts out of his arse. And fireballs <laughs> could from his Could that eyes. do it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that could eyes. probably fucking do that, boys. So. But it's not dragons. It's William fucking Wallace. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the thing... Pretty the, sure I cracked this one. <laughs> Wallace or it's the Targaryens, one of the two. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it's, still a, it's still a legitimate mystery as to why these, um, why these forts exhibit these properties and why they're they're vitrified at some points because the vitrification actually like when they when they look at these forts it's not uniform um throughout the structures there's certain points where they're just like they have this kind of quality where it's like they've obviously been applied to high heat at some point and then some other parts are not there i mean it's hmm. still very much a mystery as to why these why and how these yeah why and how they did you know ancient people had done this well, and there's there's other, you know, parts to this that I, when I was kind of looking, you know, going down some rabbit holes, um, there's um, some bridges in like the Yellow Mountains of China that they're like ornate bridges, like carved between two solid rocks. And people sometimes point to that going like, why would these, these people carve this bridge between these two solid rocks? There's... Like it doesn't make sense, and then uh, that some people were theorizing that like perhaps these were structures, these rocks were actually structures that had been melted, and the bridge is the only thing that survived. Like survived, and this I you know looking into this case file, uh, where's um you know those like those really ornate carvings of like um the fronts of buildings? Is it in Jordan where they're like in the kind of the middle of the nowhere they're carved in a rock face? Is it about Petra? Petra, yes. Um, some people said like, like, it, you know, you know, we've talked about before on the show, like, you know, we've, we've, we, we will never experience human boredom, like the boredom of people in the past. But it, they said that like, it doesn't really make sense to just carve these things into a, the side of a stone and just leave it. But perhaps these are the, perhaps if you think that these were buildings that had been melted and that, that those entrances are the only surviving pieces of what was, you know, these buildings that had been melted and have just been sitting there over time getting weathered. Oh, so you're saying what's left there was the protected protected, and other stuff got melted? Everything, like the stone is stuff where people are like, it's just carved into the side of the stone, nothing else. Well, the stone was actually other stuff as well, but it's just, it was melted from some sort of high heat, whether that's an ancient atomic weapon or maybe some sort of directed energy weapon, 
you know, I, I don't know, but that's some of the theories on, on, on this thing. It kind of ties in is with there, the vitrified forts. Is there any chance that it's just art though? Like somebody, it's pretty elaborate art, man. Right. Like, I mean, I mean but that world's full of elaborate art. Humans are we pretty artistic. Carve fucking statues and shit out of that stuff all the time. You're in the middle of nowhere. It was mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere now. Yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. Nowhere now. Exactly. Cause it used to be a huge ass building. Used to be right. uh, used to be the Microsoft <laughs> Towers. <laughs> that that was a center of technology. Yeah, hey, I don't know, man. Like that the, was Silicon Valley. Yeah, the ancient Silicon Valley. That's where they developed the bomb, probably. Yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's tons of crazy shit around the world. They're like, how how and why? A lot of how and why is around. Um, in the world, let's leave the world. Let's get let's the leave Earth. Let's get the fuck out of here. Let's take it real. Let's, let's get, take it real far. There is a there is a theory. Um, there's another theory, like taking this out to its to its furthest extent, is that perhaps that nuclear war was not only uh, or you know perhaps only isolated to Earth, but perhaps there had been a atomic war perpetrated on the red planet Mars. John Brandenburg is a plasma physicist who got his degree from UC Davis, and he has a theory that Martian life was perhaps actually destroyed with nukes. 100%. My books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He cites that uh, he gave an interview with Supreme Master Television. Um, Great channel. SMT? SMT, baby. Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Fuck. Which is a a station run by a a person titled the Supreme Master Ching Hai uh, International Association Cult. Cult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brandenburg notes that Mars had perhaps two humanoid humanoid civilizations called Cydonia and Utopia, which would be strange... To me, where they would get those names, as those are both. I was just gonna ask. Well, yeah, Cydonia is where like, they found the face on Mars, right? So there, and and his theory, and in his theory, you know, according to him, is that the perhaps these these two ancient civilizations were perhaps at the technolo- technological level similar to Egypt at the time. Okay. So this is where you would probably get like well, you know, the hold face on, on hold Egypt, on, hold the, on. the pyramids the on e- Egypt. The Egypt that the fake media teaches or the Egypt where we had power plants running off the Nile? That's a good question. That one, the second one. Yeah. Probably the second Let's one. Let's go with the second one. Right. His his evidence that he cites as a as proof of this nuclear war that had taken this this apocalyptic nuclear war which wiped out both civilizations and all of the atmosphere on Mars and made it the you know essentially mildly radioactive wasteland that it is today is that there is he says that there is a high concentration of xenon 129 in the atmosphere and um krypton 80 which are detected uh in abundance Along with uranium and thorium on the Mars surface, in some in some places that relative to Mars meteorites, like it would seem that these places have high concentrations of these of these materials, which would 
he signify that perhaps they had been attacked or you know these are these are cert- these are materials that would be detected in a nuclear uh in a nuclear bomb yeah i mean he started saying it was this like nuclear event but that he progresses into saying that these are actually et species that wipe each other out like yeah. when he first presented this theory I mean, he's a plasma physicist he seems like he's got good credentials he's like Oh, judging by these isotopes and these and this and this, uh, Mars was subject to a massive, a ma- massive event. Sure, that would like uh, that led to its demise, and then he progresses as the years go by. To Mars was the central of two warring civilizations that had harnessed nuclear power and wiped each other out, and in the process, also destroyed their atmosphere, rendering the planet in- uninhabitable. <laughs> You're like, awesome, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not for the Martians. Not, yeah, not, now we're trying to go back, or take it farther. There were warring, two warring factions. Two warring blew up the planet, fucked up the atmosphere. Realized they're toasted. Needed to get to to the next planet that was inhabitable, which was Earth. And that was about three hundred, four hundred thousand years ago, and they and were that, the Anunnaki. And that planet was called Krypton. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, the other thing is too it's is like, red it, sun, though. you know if there's two say you know like time is really against us here because with Mars something like that happening on Mars I mean like that could have happened a couple hundred thousand years ago where there's uh, like an unbelievably two huge atomic blasts and then you know we the planet's just been sitting there getting absolutely just blasted by the sun's radiation. Because the atmosphere was torched, right? Like, so maybe it didn't look like how it looked now, right? But after after these bombs, it just slowly has deteriorated to what we see now is this barren landscape. But maybe that was a slow burn after these two atomic bombs were set off. And maybe it was something like where whatever they did with these atomic bombs, maybe these civilizations, they're new. They were like, hey we've basically pushed ourselves off the the edge there this planet's dying now like we've killed it and there's no coming back yeah whatever is happening and so you know maybe they sent some sort of uh like germ germ bomb or something we've talked about that before to earth right so are you saying that the atomic bombs destroyed the atmosphere or did it like knock it off of fucking uh, no like, i'm not saying the bombs knock it off I'm, I'm just saying that maybe whatever bombs went off that he thinks maybe like we again we don't know the technology because we're trying to put they're what aliens we understand right they're aliens so maybe these bombs were similar to atomic bombs but once these two things fired off maybe that it, it like whatever is happening on the planet right then it it pushed them over the edge where it's like hey our atmosphere is deteriorating at a rapid pace now since these two bombs went off our two main cities are destroyed what if it knocked it closer like knocked it off its fucking rotation closer to the sun and that's what destroyed the fucking do you think a bomb could do that and that could destroy destroy the atmosphere well it's not closer to the sun than us so that's fair so you got to figure out just an atmospheric destroying bomb yeah right like i I, you know it's it's scary but terrifying yeah, big time. And I mean, the theories of like Mars being a habitable planet, 
have been around forever of like at one time that there it may have been a habitable planet. Well, yeah, they, so, do, they do think it had yeah. flowing water and like it had a whole bunch of stuff. And for whatever reason, its atmosphere was stripped away. And they think that was some cosmic mm-hmm. event or a slow burn of a cosmic event slowly just leached off but, their atmosphere or. But yeah. maybe it wasn't. Or maybe it wasn't. It maybe was, it was caused. Self-imposed event, right? destruction. Well, the fact that we. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say like, and, and people point to that, especially uh, uh, Brandenburg, you know, he points to evidence of rovers and stuff of it looking like in some of these pictures on Mars surface, they, you know, seemingly can see some of these rocks and stuff look similar to bricks, right? Like brick shapes and debris and building debris. It's, it's for me, it's like, it's just, I feel like it's just an answer we're never going to get because we have, like, we've got lost civilizations on our own planet. Yeah, we don't even know. That we'll yeah. never be able to find, you know? And then it's like, you think we're going to figure that shit out on a different planet? Like, no way. Yeah. Well, not which is one little robot. Like, yeah, once, <laughs> yeah, once, not, like, well, that's I what I mean, little, right? Like, that thing is fucking huge. God, it's it's like, but even with truck, us, yeah. with our technology yeah. on our current planet, we still can't figure out yeah. where all these it's fucking still, lost civilizations are. Yeah, we're still are. piecing together just, the history of, you know, our own planet and now our closest neighbor, which is still pretty neat because we're still, we got a whole fucking robot over there doing stuff. So that's pretty neat. Pretty soon you're going to have Elon Musk himself, King of Mars. He's going to be over there. Yes. King of Mars. Emperor um, of Mars. Now, my final thought, if we're, if we're, Getting there is yeah. Let's wrap it up. Um, I don't. I as for like an ancient atomic weapon, I don't like the phrasing of that. Um, because again, we're trying to pinhole what we have now onto something that was then. So it may have been similar. Um, but I subscribe to there was potential. I subscribe to that there was a civilization before us that we don't understand. That was way more advanced than we would like to give credit to in modern day education and stuff. We're learning new stuff every day. Uh, when we finally dig up Gobeki Tepe, I'm sure there's going to be mysteries and numbers hidden in the architecture. Um, but I don't think this is out of the question. I don't think some sort of ancient uh, weapon of this, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if this... And if that's the case, if there's, if, you know, an ancient civilization misused these kind of weapons and they wiped their civilization off the map, then that would mean to me that like harnessing nuclear energy is some sort of filter, whether it's the great filter, you know, one of these filters of civilizations where this is just a stepping stone you get to and you either, (laughs) you know, you, you can use it and harness (laughs) it or you just Just blow blow yourself up. up, right? Like mad scientist style. Um, do I believe in some of these stories? It's hard with the Mahabharata because like we said, a lot of the stuff isn't cited. It's not sourced. It's just, it's just attributed to the Mahabharata and I'll attribute one too. Um, the Mahabharata says that a nukes just, just nukes were flying, baby it says that nukes were flying, baby in there somewhere. Look it <laughs> direct, up. Direct quote, uh, direct quote from Mahabharata nukes were flying, baby. And David Childress. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, that's the problem with that is we 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 just don't know. Now, I think I think that you know, I just think we don't give ancient civilizations enough credit. I think we were probably more technologically advanced than we can fathom, to be honest. And and whatever reason, just like how you know. Um, Rome's civilization was lost and crumbled, but, but, you know, in a smaller scale, I believe that there was a civilization that lost it all, 
either blew ourselves off the map. Um, and you know, it's, I, I don't think human history is, is as young as we think. I would hundred percent agree with that one. We keep finding new stuff all the time. Okay. I'll, I'll go real quick here. I think all ancient texts, like all like the main ancient texts, like sometimes we make the joke like, oh, those people are just bored back then. I think those people were not bored and they were obsessed with watching the heavens and the stars and like the sky and the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah and these stories from the Vedic texts. These are all like from, I think these are events they witnessed in the sky. And I think like the reigning of, like when they say like the, the destruction of cities or like the end of these people, I think these are like, these are a cataclysm events. Either whether it be meteor, volcano, you know, something. And I think meteorite impacts are more common onto the planet than we give credit for because we've only been looking for a couple hundred years. And if they're air bursts, like you don't, there might not be craters. Like there's a whole bunch of reasons like, oh, well, if, well, if, if there was craters that ended, you know, the Younger Dryas, we would find them. You're like, well, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> Andrea Lewis Merck. There it is. I'm just saying, and if it's not not just the younger dryas, that's only a few, like 12, 13,000 I mean, years ago. Take, take another drink. Zell, to your point, like you look at Tungusta, the T Tunguska event, and that kind of lines up with some of these descriptions, right? right? Like the trees set ablaze, right? Elephants, you run, well, they weren't running around in Russia, but I'm like, you know, that could all be, well, you know, they, yeah, it was, it was caribou, sure. right? It wasn't it caribou or something with Tungusta? Yeah, so I, I think that all these stories and these are like long witness stories of human accounts from, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. And they've been passed down through generations, different translations through different cultures and different people. So I do I think ancient atomic weapons? Probably not. But ancient advanced civilizations that would watch the stars and they would write stuff down and they would kind of give give events meaning and stories behind it. And a lot, I think a lot of these are just human beings witnessing the demise of cities or civilizations around the globe. And they just document it. And then thousands of years later, we come back and we're like, oh, maybe it was atomic weapons. Or maybe it was a giant airburst meteorite that flattened that whole fucking place. And then that was, that, that was an act of God. God punished those people for being sinners. And, Sodomites. and then a couple thousand years later, you got some people who uh, twist that word and then start cults with it. That's what I think. That's it. I like it. So for me, like even to begin with this, I decided I'm like, if I'm going to be able to make any type of, you know, thought process or conclusion at the end of this, I have to even like, I have no idea how nuclear weapons work. I have no clue. I don't even know how they exist. So, right? so I, yeah. I started doing a little bit of research, right? And to actually develop a nuclear weapon, you need access to fissile material. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's only two ways really to do it. You need to separate U-235 um, from natural uranium, yeah. right? Which takes massive levels of um, electrical production. You need like crazy amounts of sophisticated engineering skills, or you need a nuclear reactor, right? So now, even to believe that we had like that type of technology back then, right? This would have had to happen in a vacuum, without leaving any evidence around on on surrounding cultures or infrastructure whatsoever there would there would be nuclear waste and shit like that left behind which we have no real evidence of and then like you look at it we were barely able to construct nuclear weapons in the 40s barely right but it took 
one out of every a thousand Americans working on that fu- these weapons to get them produced, right? So it's just for me, you know, we we don't have any evidence of this, but yet we have tons of evidence of natural fucking occurrences that cause these exact same fucking significant events. Yep. Right? Like, and, and so for me, it's just, it's so hard to fucking fathom that. Yeah. Right? That That's just kind of where I stand. That, that would be the academic reasoning, I think, between, behind many of those. Uh, for me, uh, I find the idea that there were ancient battles between gods and demigods, whether they were, uh, you know, either extraterrestrially enhanced humans or extraterrestrials themselves fighting it out with giant weapons of mass destruction and, you know, energy manipulation and all that shit. It's, it's pretty fucking cool. I mean, sounds really neat. Straight out of a comic book. Straight man. out of a fucking comic book. Mm-hmm. Sounds cool. Um, but like, like Andrew said, yeah, you would need a ton of infrastructure in order to build some of these, to, to actually produce these weapons. Humans would, you know, uh, if it were off-world production, it'd be a, a different story. Um, and we ha- do have a lot of evidence that perhaps some of these things were, were caused like this. Um, while researching for this, I found something that was a little bit in, uh, pretty interesting and going down the kind of rabbit hole. I always remember when we mentioned earlier, like the the Mahabharata, like the Mahabharata is usually this is cited as this kind of text that's got this mystic, you know, esoteric text that um, goes back thousands of years and it being like, okay, this is, this is what happened. And then... I, I remember Ancient Aliens, the TV show, kind of coming around and being like, yeah, maybe perhaps like, you know, especially Eric Von Daniken. We have talked to Anna Von Daniken. I have asked Eric Von Daniken questions. I have interacted with them on a personal level. And yeah, I've been Dan like... Dan will also watch them die one time in the elevator. <laughs> yeah, I've been in an elevator with Eric Von Daniken. And, you know... um, one of the things I remember asking him was being like, you know, what do you find the most compelling evidence or supporting evidence for the theory of, you know, ancient astronauts and that? And he said to me, and if you go and listen to watch our YouTube video and listen to the interview uh, that we did, you know, he just says it's there in the text. That's what it is. The Bible, the, the ancient text. This is proof. Okay, I guess uh, for me, it's not great because I'm like, okay, these ancient texts. At best, for me, they are stylized accounts, like like uh, Zell said. They're they're stylized accounts of something that happened in the past, or you know, it, it's stuff that perhaps happened overnight, or stuff that probably could have happened within a month of something. Right. You know, an entire city collapsed, is an earthquake, or um, you know, airburst meteor, or even you know, some type of plundering by roving bands of you know uh, savages or whatever could possibly have happened. Uh, or a gradual decline that happened and then they just but they said it was overnight <laughs> something like that uh, you know and at worst these these texts are complete fabrications of something that happened and they're just like okay i don't know what happened so i'll just make it up ancient sci-fi sure yeah fan fiction you know <laughs> at some point um so i'd kind of say something like that what i find kind of worrisome is that while researching for this, I found this weird little line of kind of, or undercurrent. Actually, it's something that's been happening in India for uh, since the early 2000s or even like the mid-90s, is that there's this thing called Hindutva, which is a actual now, I think it's like a political party or some type of like social action party, which is kind of dead set on making Hindu culture 
the religion, Hindu, like the dominant and predominant religion and culture in India, even though India has a Muslim, you know, they have a Muslim population that makes up about like 14% of the population itself. And they are very dead set on legitimizing and trying to set the Mahabharata and the Vedic texts as something to be taken literally. They are trying to rewrite history and pose these things like we've, you know, that has been, that is come to be popularized in, um, you know, in some of the ancient aliens and ancient astronaut hypothesis and things like this, that these cultures were, you know, the Indian culture, the Hindu culture was ultra advanced from the time. And then it was somehow struck down by whatever, um, gods and it's very strange. I mean, if you look it up, you can look it up. You can look up articles. There's plenty of this stuff about like the, the current political party trying, which is essentially a, like a Hindu nationalist party trying to rewrite history, having meetings about how can they rewrite the textbooks to make Hindu culture the predominant culture. And then therefore, you know, making everybody else kind of lower making hin like making hindus the predominant and it, if somebody can correct me if somebody can be like give me an insight into this but i've read a number of articles kind of being like eh, like this sounds a little bit worrisome about this is sikh the predominant religion then right now no he's I mean, trying to overtake it so hindu already is right hindu is and then like india is a is a multicultural place. Like it, it is a, comprised of a number of cultures and religions and things like this and a lot of you know the the Right now, the predominant reason or the predominant theory of about, you know, the population of India was like it was all migration, you know, migration out of Mesopotamia and those places like this into things. But the new current kind of seems to be the direction of reasoning uh, is that the the current political party wants to make it seem like Aryans like came out of the Himalayas. And then that was the the progenitor race that India was the cradle of civilization. Mm. So not Mesopotamia. No, that's what they seem to be support. They seem to be supporting that idea and pushing for academics in India and certain, there are certain like social action groups and certain committees that they have been established. Like since the two that, like the late, you know, just five, five or six years ago that they're trying to actually rewrite the textbooks, rewrite history and being like, no, the Vedic texts, this is real. This is what happened. And I find that a bit disconcerting. So <laughs> yeah, what you're saying is there was nukes? Depends who you ask. According you to ask. the Hindus, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a fun topic. It's cool looking yeah. to yeah, check, super check fun. out. I mean, there's even if they're not nukes, just the history of a lot of these places is just cool on its own. So yeah, if you find if we find hard evidence about this stuff, like you know, plasma lances, like <laughs> taking out whole cities and shit like that, I'd be like, yeah, all the crazy. energy That's of the universe in super one fun. strike. <laughs> Now, before we get into Theorite of the Week, I just really wanted to give a quick mention that uh, if you're on our Patreon, or you're, you've been humming a hon about getting on it, we have a new show out on our Patreon that there's going to be uh, some more on called Sports Conspirators. It's very similar to this show, but we just talk about strictly sports conspiracies. Um, episode one's on the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, it's going to be Patreon only until we get a bunch. So if you want to listen to it, that intrigues you. 
Uh, you can support your boys. Get on patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast. It's got it's some going to be a while. We got to build up at least 10 episodes before yeah. that shit goes live. So, so if you're interested in it, make sure you get on Patreon and, 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 and listen, listen. And we want your feedback. We're, we're taking feedback. So it's like, as that show, as we're trying to grow that show and, and make it into something, we're, we're taking live feedback of what you want to see and segments, guests. So if you want to be a part of building building a show, get on our Patreon.com, uh, patreon.com slash Alien Theorist podcast. Uh, listen to it. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to see in the future. Let us know some sports conspiracies that you'd love to hear. We already got some feedback. My hot take on Yokozuna being a bad wrestler. Ooh, got torched. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He wasn't a bad wrestler. He was given. He was given he was bad getting story. A bad. Yeah, he was. He had a bad gimmick. Anyways, let's get into theorite of the week. This week, it, you know what? Well deserved. Well deserved. Mm-hmm, um, it's mm-hmm, going out mm-hmm. to longtime Discord member legend, legend sodomize. Legend. You know, it's kind of fitting for her. Her name's kind of fitting for this episode. <laughs> what? Well, Sodom. <laughs> and we were talking about Sodom. Oh, Sodom. Right. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Brain's always got Sodom on the phone. Yeah, he's always got Sodom eyes. She single-handedly has taken it upon herself to organize a spooky gift exchange among our Discord channel. Uh, she's put it together. The deadline's October 1st to get into the spooky gift exchange where you'll be paired up. I'm in it. So you, you might be buying a gift for me. I might be buying a gift for you. Who knows? I don't know. It's going to be wild. Mm, I don't know. Let I don't know tell you if something. you want that because yeah. you're probably not going to get anything because we did a Christmas gift exchange and Braden didn't get anybody nothing. <laughs> yeah, I did. I gave everyone headshots, <laughs> signed headshots to myself. <laughs> yeah, nothing. That's what I give. The shafted the boys. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I give everyone. Signed headshot <laughs> of myself. I didn't get one. You probably lost it. Uh, anyways, I'll give you one to put up in your studio that uh, right above your left shoulder there, that little square. I love that. I'll measure that out for me and I'll, I'll make sure it fits right in there. Okay. Um, well so, deserved. Sodomize. Thank you for being a fucking absolute legend on discord. Uh, you know, through the running challenge, just always being a positive member of the community, calling into cosmic channels. She's just overall OGP. Absolute Just legend. beauty. Fucking beauty. Hell yeah. Well deserved. Well deserved. Well yeah. deserved. All right. All right. All right. All right. Brayden already gave you the sales sales pitch, but also, if you're listening to the free version, you realize that there might be a couple ads on there. You want to skip those ads, get rid of them, support your boys. Find the link in the podcast yeah. description. This week's newest supporters, Gavin Gerard. He's back, baby! Or is it Javin Gerard? Javin Gerard? <laughs> well, you said Gavin Gerard. So. I thought it was Gavin Gerard. Okay. Either one. We'll take, we'll take Anyways, it. he's we'll, back. I recognize that name. We'll take Welcome any, back. We'll take any of those. Strom goes up to a full year pledge. Save, save yourself a little bit of dough. Desiree Devro. 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 Devro, maybe. Matt yeah. Schmidt. Ben Clark. Mark Pearson, James Kukas, Lisa Fowler, Mandy Norton, Eric Meza, Joel Weathers, Savannah Hall, OG Dumain, OJ Dumain, OG Dumain, like it, Jonathan O'Keefe, Ryan Hensherick. 
Rylan? Rylan. Rylan Hamsherik. And last but not least, Bill Caffrey. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. See you in after hours. 